Welcome back to my podcast. I'm Amy Kennedy, and this is Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. Our next lesson is titled Healing Has Come. If you've been listening to my previous podcasts, then you know I have been promising to tell you about finally receiving my kidney transplant for a while. Even in this, the greatest gift, there were hard lessons to learn and difficult decisions to make. It was April 27th, 1999, and at about 10 p.m., I got the phone call we had been waiting on for almost five years. For the first time, there was a kidney match for me. I had many family members as well as friends from across the country get tested to see if they would be a match for me, but no one was. My only option was to be placed on the national organ donor list and to wait. I was doing pretty well on dialysis by this point. Sometime in 1997, my health finally improved enough that I was able to do continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis. This meant I had a catheter placed in my peritoneum just below my belly button, and for 10 hours each night, I was connected to a machine that circulated glucose in my peritoneum. Fun fact, if you don't know, your peritoneum can actually function as a kidney. People who are way smarter than me figured that out, and it was a game changer in improving my health. I am not going to go into details on how this works. You can easily Google it and be far more educated than I ever want to be. All I know is that I would hook up my catheter each evening to tubes that were connected to a machine, and I would connect glucose bags and stay connected to that machine for 10 hours while the machine would perform four exchanges every night. I requested enough tubing so that I could easily make it into each of my son's bedrooms from where my machine was located because they were still very little at this time. This is how I lived my life until that warm Georgia day in April, 1999, when the call I had waited on finally came through. Emory University Hospital had received word that a young man in Texas died in a motorcycle accident, and he appeared to be a good match for me. They gave me less than two hours to decide if I wanted to take the ride into Atlanta and try for the transplant. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, what's the wait about? Of course you want to go and get your transplant. Well, uh, there was a hiccup. You see, the young man who died had needle marks on his arms that showed he was an IV drug user. They tested his body to make sure there wasn't any HIV or hepatitis, but they told me that if he had contracted either within the short time before his death, he could be positive, but the tests not show it. I was faced with the difficult choice of taking the risk of contracting a horrible disease by finally getting a transplanted kidney or choosing to stay on the donor list. We were devastated and we had two hours to decide and call them back. So we called our dear friends 
Do you remember the professor I spoke about in my last podcast who had a vision of me laying in a coffin and that led him to start a 24-hour prayer vigil? That's who we called. And he and his wife spent time praying for us on the phone. And we asked them to pray privately and to call us back with what God revealed. Meanwhile, my husband and I started praying earnestly for direction. I remember feeling an excitement in my stomach as I prayed that told me this was it. This was what we had been waiting for. And shortly after that, our friends called back and my professor quoted Luke 11, 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? With the earnest belief that God would not give me such an incredible gift and have it be tainted, I called Emory University Hospital back and told them that we were on our way to get my kidney. Of course, the person transferring the kidney from Texas to Atlanta missed the plane. But eventually, my new kidney and I were united on April 29th, 1999. When I woke up from the long surgery, my room was filled with physicians and nurses who were all in amazement. My surgeon asked me if I played the lottery, and I said no. And he laughed and said, well, you would not have gotten a better match if you had an identical twin sister donate. Apparently, my kidney was a six out of six human leukocyte antigens match. At the time, that was the very best match anyone could have gotten. And it was a rarity, especially with a stranger. God's gift was not tainted with a disease. God's gift was better than anyone could have ever thought possible. Today, in 2023, I'm sitting here talking to you with that exact same donated kidney. And I have never once had even a moment of rejection. I've reached a place in my transplant story that the doctors do not know what to expect next. It is so rare for anyone to have a donated organ this long, let alone be in such incredible health this many years later. Immediately after receiving my kidney transplant, I felt strength. I felt health. I had a body for almost five years with dead organs and bringing a live, healthy organ into my dying body rejuvenated all my cells and gave me a brand new lease on life. My youngest son was still just so tiny when I received my kidney transplant and he sweetly hugged my neck and cried, now you can play in the ocean with me, mommy. My long years of very poor health kept me from living my best life with my sons. It kept me from so many great blessings, and I was thrilled to explore the new life God had waiting for me. My healing had come. 
if this were a fairy tale story, that would be the very end. <laughs> the lady would ride off in the sunset with her beautiful little family and no one would ever hear another bad thing. But we don't live in a fantasy world. I told you in my last lesson that this world is hard and it is evil. Bad things will happen whether by our own choice or by the choices of others. Bad things also happen when it seems that no one has made a choice at all. No one made a choice for my kidneys to fail. And the reality of living on dialysis comes with its own side effects, as does living with a perfectly matched donated organ. I immediately went on a strict regimen of anti-rejection drugs and steroids. I was also taking blood pressure medication because my blood pressure never recovered after my pregnancies. It was a task to set up my medication dispensary each week, but I proudly did it because it was so much easier than living on dialysis. I started to gain weight. And although the high doses of steroids gave me chipmunk cheeks, I looked the best I had ever looked. It was incredible. A year after receiving my transplant, I went back to college. Of course, I switched my major, which meant I basically had to start all over again. But I wanted to do it. My life was changing fast. And I noticed that everywhere I went, people talked mostly about my miracle. But they were also still treating me as if I was a fragile China doll to be placed up on a shelf. I didn't feel like people had, uh, that I had in my life in church believed I could do anything more than just be this miracle. And I started to realize how sheltered I had become while doing dialysis. It felt to me as though my friends and family were scared I was going to break and that every accomplishment I had was treated with the backhand belief she could do all that after what she's been through. I realized I had somehow become the sick girl to everyone I loved and cared for. I realize now that I was fighting the stigma of being looked at as broken. In future podcasts, you're going to hear me talk about the extremely difficult road I have traveled in fighting the appearance of being broken in the eyes of other people, but also in my own eyes. I started to feel trapped in that role. I felt as though the people around me were disappointed if I ever expressed anger or overexerted myself. And let me tell you, when you are in high doses of steroids and blood pressure medication, your personality changes. I became driven. I became an overachiever. I felt like I had to prove to everyone that I was no longer this sick little girl who could die at any minute. I wanted to be and still want to be a woman capable of so much more. Unfortunately, I still had a tendency to get sick. You see, the whole point of anti-rejection medication is to keep your immune system at bay so it won't attack your new organ. You can't take immune boosting medicines when you contract a cold. I can't tell you the number of people who so kindly prayed over me when I had sinus infections which I tended to get a lot, and asked God to improve my immune system. People in my own family didn't understand that although I received my miracle, I still had an imperfect body. 
and I have to live in an imperfect world. My kidney transplant was a miracle that I had waited for close to five years for. It gave me my family back and it gave me opportunities to experience like a college education and the ability to help provide financially for my family. It brought health and hope into a dying body. God's gift was perfect. It didn't come in the way we prayed, but it did come. On a side note, I was in communication with the young man's mother for a while and was so blessed by her letters. Getting too close to family members of donors is highly discouraged on both sides, but I was able to write to her and express my great gratitude. It also created a desire in me to do everything I could to protect her son's donation. She lost her child, and I can't even imagine that type of pain but her loss became my gain in that I was given the opportunity to raise my children. And I'm proud to say that by going through my times of poor health, I was able to never take a moment for granted in loving my children. My two sons are the greatest joys of my life. And I am sure that they wish I could have been a little less expressive of my joy in their presence. I don't feel as though I was ever a helicopter parent, but I certainly did and still do thoroughly enjoy spending time with them. If I had passed up the opportunity for my transplant because the risks were too high, I believe I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you. My antigen makeup made it very difficult to find a proper match. So many people prayed earnestly for my transplant and I firmly believed and I still believe that this kidney that I still have today that is still going strong is a true gift from God. To prove my point even further that God does not give us tainted gifts, I started to become frustrated with my long years on steroids. The large doses were affecting my health negatively and were making my bones brittle. I asked and asked my doctors if I could be taken off the steroids and was shot down every single time until my doctor retired in 2015 and I got a new doctor in my life. And of course I asked her, could I come off of the steroids? She was highly hesitant, but in frustration after my third time asking, she said, a six out of six ma antigen match isn't enough in this day and age. For me to consider taking you off the steroids, you would have had to have had an eight out of eight antigen match kidney. At my insistence, we did the test and thankfully, after all those years, the sample from my donor was still on file. And you guessed it. It had always been an eight out of eight antigen match. My doctor slowly removed me from steroids and I am still going strong today, steroid free. On a side note, I could have been frustrated for the 16 years that I spent on steroids, but that was the medicine of the day. That was what the doctors understood. And today my health has improved tremendously because I was finally taken off of those steroids. 
Now, earlier in this podcast, I mentioned that I started to feel as though everyone saw me as broken and a fragile little miracle girl. After everything I went through and all the miracles God performed in my life, I actually made the decision to stop sharing my testimony because I couldn't handle the way my testimony made others view me. It was hard for me to meet someone new and see their expression change when I told them what I had gone through. It was harder still to see people close to me grow weary of my regular sicknesses. And when you're on steroids for 16 years, you get sick a lot. I estimate that the time I spent as a slave to some sort of major sickness has come to right about seven years. That seems like a really long time, unless I do a little math. And I'm not really good at math, so I did some. (laughs) And understanding that today, right now, I'm 54 years old, that means that 47 years of my life have been free from the bondage of sickness. My times of sicknesses have also been spread out over almost 30 years, which means the longest I was held bound was from 1994 to 1999. When you do that math, seven years doesn't seem so long, especially when God is right there next to you, showing you who he is every step of the way. Now, you know most of my story. It's time that I ask you a question. And I really want you to think about this. How long have you been held in slavery to something? Alcohol? Pornography? Drugs? Pride, depression. How long have you given away your body just so someone unworthy would show you a little bit of love? How long have you used substances to medicate away the hard feelings of loss or grief? How long have your issues enslaved you? Are you allowing God to show you who he is in the midst of your bondage? Or have you leaned into your slavery, believing that there is nothing more for you? A common theme you're going to hear from me throughout all my lessons is that it's more important what you think of yourself than what other people think about you. I have had to learn this lesson the hard way time and time and time and time again. I could have shared so much more of the great things God did for me and is still doing for me, but I let the opinions of other people stop me. I hope that you are daily seeking your own heart and taking the time to change what God reveals must be changed. And then I want to encourage you to stand firm in who you know you are, who God says you are. You may never change the way some people see you, but you can sleep well knowing 
that their opinion does not define you. Sadly, there are people who are very close to me in my life who still only see me as a, a fragile, broken China doll. My value is diminished in their eyes because they can't truly see who God has made me to be. I have a body that has failed and may fail again in the future, but my heart will never fail. I will stand firm in the understanding that God has brought me through every moment of bondage and he will see me through in the future. I will stand on that understanding and strongly proclaim that I am more than a conqueror in him who loves me. Romans 8, 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am not a sheep to be led to slaughter. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And so are you. Let that sink into your hearts. Meditate on that reminder. No matter what bondage you are in, you are a conqueror. Your bonds will be broken. Just keep making the next right decision. Then make the next right decision and the next and the next. And you will find those chains will loosen and will fall off completely. This world is evil and it will mess you up. This world and the evils of this world will shove you down time and time again. Each time you get knocked down by addiction, sickness, or grief, or anything, I beg you, lean on the strength that God is building up inside you right now in this very moment. And no matter how hard the struggle, get up and stand.